Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's second Friday food, wine, and travel show with the International Food, Wine, Travel Writers Association. We do this every second Friday. We get to chat with travel writers and photographers about their craft. We talk about their recent travels, their adventures. And honestly, if you're in the industry, go to ifwtwa.org. They're an awesome organization. Also check out, they have an amazing conference coming up this year that's on Princess Cruises. So you're going to want to check that out. And speaking of cruising, we're welcoming back travel writer Deborah Denning Rillette. Uh, She is known as the Tropical Travel Gal. And she's joining us to talk about her cruise that wasn't to the tropics, but to Alaska. But she went in the summer because she's smart. And she's going to tell us all about her adventures there. Her story is up on nationalparktraveling.com and will be in the upcoming issue of Parks and Travel Magazine. So welcome back, Deborah. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm great. Good to be here. So going from like tropical beaches, because I remember the last time on you were on the show, gosh, that was a while ago. Like when I think back, it was a three, few years, three, two or three years. Yeah, everything, you know, when you travel so much, you kind of get everything gets compounded in a way. But I remember you being on the show and I think we were only audio at that time, too. Right. And you were talking about, how you know, the beaches and everything. And then you were talking about even how you like to collect sand. And that you have a collection of sand. Some people, you know, collect flowers and hippos or frogs. I'm a frog collector, but sand. Sand And then I thought about you and shells. So going to Alaska, did you collect sand in Alaska? That's why I had to ask the first question. I wish we were never really at a beach (laughs) to get a sand sample, but no, (laughs) I did not. No glacier samples? No glacier samples. We were not actually on the glacier. Yeah, no, that'd be a little bit crazy. But you saw glaciers. I mean, I was reading through your article. I mean, miles, like 15 mile, 20 mile long glaciers you experienced, which is something, you know. Well, yeah, Marjorie Glacier was like the highlight of Glacier Bay. It's incredible. And it's uh, 20 some miles long, I think. But uh, we saw glaciers throughout the day uh, that we were cruising through Glacier Bay. But then in, um, in Juneau, we also did an excursion to Mendenhall Glacier, which mm-hmm. was quite far away. We could see the glacier but and the, the glacial lake and the, a waterfall. But, you know, we were not close to the glacier. Wow. And so this was all through a cruise that you did. And you went, what, July? You went in the summer. So it was smart. You had to have some sunshine, right? Did you get sunshine at all? Oh, it was beautiful. We had sunshine every day, except for the very last day we were in Ketchikan. Our last port was kind of cloudy and misty, but it never really rained. And from what we understand, Ketchikan is kind of known for being rainy. (laughs) But uh, otherwise, we had bright sun in the high 60s, low 70s. All we needed was mainly just a light jacket occasionally. And it was just glorious. And we were on Holland America, Koenigsdam, 
ship from Vancouver. We started in Vancouver. Uh, and the Koningsdam is one of three pinnacle class ships that Holland America has out of 14 ships. Mm. And it was just it, a 2650 passenger capacity. But the week we were on, the first week of July, there were only about 2,000 passengers. This is really great that we're even talking about this time because people are like already thinking summer, you know, what are we going to do? And it's time to plan now. I wonder if it's already booking up like to that, you know, capacity level for now. Oh, I think it's definitely time to start looking and planning. Although, I mean, we didn't plan that far ahead, but um, it's definitely worth taking a look at. Uh, We had a veranda cabin which I would highly recommend. So you have the, you can walk outside and uh, watch the glaciers and watch the scene. No way, right from your doorstep. Yeah. Literally. Wow. So, I mean, that's just so iconic. We see about the glaciers melting and everything, right? And you see it on on the news and you hear it on all the climate reports and everything. But to be up that close, how does that make you feel in regards to like, I kind of go back to, when we look at um, William Shatner going to space and he went out in space and he he literally cried coming home, going, our world is so precious, our earth is so precious. And I feel like everyone I know that goes to Alaska and experiences what you've experienced has that that same feeling of, and especially friends also in Antarctica, they've gone there and I know so many scientists and artists and people have done that. They come back and they're like, this is real, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you have that feeling going there and, and witnessing these glaciers? I would, yes, I did. Um, and also, I had friends who had been to Alaska like 15, 20 years ago. And when they saw my pictures, especially of Mendenhall Glacier, how much it had receded. Mm-hmm in the 15, 20 years when they were there, they were just shocked. And of course, I didn't have that perspective, but uh, just to know that it it is receding and, um, but it's still there. And the beauty of the mountains, um, you know, I wrote about that oh, my dad that. Yeah. was stationed in Alaska in the war. And so that was in like the 1943 to 1945, and just, I can only imagine what it looked like when he was there. This, this is really fascinating because I think, like, I want to tell people, go experience this now, right? While we all can do it, see it now. Um, when we lived in Kenya, uh, Nancy, I mean, we have a storage unit and it's really mostly Nancy's art and slides of photography from Canada, America, uh, Africa, mostly England and Great Britain. But she has photos of Mount Kilimanjaro when it was really snow-capped. She has photos of water holes where you see just incredible diversity of wildlife species. And people come back and they're like, oh, I saw an impella and a a crocodile and this. And I'm like, oh, we used to see this in the 70s, 70s and 80s when I was a kid. But, you know, she has like this documented. And I wonder about... We've got to do something with that kind of series of footage, I think. What you're talking about, your friends who have been there, you've been there. And, and I feel like there's a, an urgency for us to travel 
to experience before it goes away. And I don't want to be a doomsayer, doom gloomer kind of person, but I feel like an urgency to get out there and see it and also to protect our planet. Did you kind of feel that while you were there too? Well, I, I was just so glad that I finally made the decision to uh, deviate yeah. from my normal tropical trips and do the Alaska uh, trip since I had kind of always had that feeling that I needed to go there partially because my dad had been there in the war mm -hmm. and I had heard from him, you know, how it, he really ended up making me become a tropical girl because he had worked in the cold and he came back hating winter. And so, oh, I bet after that, and, yeah. So we always went to Florida and, and so I grew up with that. I, and so it's like cold, no, but Alaska, I found out, is so beautiful, even in the summer, and the flowers were blooming, and it was just not what I really had in my head, that it was going to be totally beyond the glaciers, and when you get into the the other parts, we, we did the, you know, the White Pass uh, Railroad trip in Skagway, which is definitely a must-do uh, to see the the terrain and how beautiful it is. We, we were away from the glaciers, of course, in that part, but uh, just to the history of Alaska is just incredible. And the communities, because one, I know that one area where like it's a historic district, the actual town is a historic district. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, that. Um, it's called I, the Klondike Gold Rush National Historical Park. Mm. And that whole area, the entire town of Skagway and the White Pass area is all a, a national historical park. And That's it's amazing. Yeah. And it's just, and the gold, you know, the gold rush history was so fascinating that. Uh, that we brings out all kinds of characters. Oh, you yeah. think about people going out there. I mean, you think about your dad in World War II out there. And I think we forget about World War II history in Alaska, but I mean, it was a prominent place you know even my today, dad was you know? uh he was a stevedore foreman uh with the transportation corps in skagway and he was responsible for the loading and unloading of all the supplies that came in for the military and uh it was you know we went to the museum and saw a lot of of the world war ii history while we were there and saw some of the buildings that used to be used by the military. So that was a real special part of the trip. Um, but I would just say there are so many excursions you can choose from when you do an Alaska cruise too. You know, we had Juneau, Skagway and Ketchikan. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, in Juneau, we did the Mendenhall Glacier. We went to a salmon hatchery and then we did a salmon bake out in the open. Uh, which I love salmon. <laughs> and so we were able to, you know, have our fill of fresh salmon. Uh, another in Skagway, we went to a little restaurant and had halibut. Um, and then in Ketchikan, we went out on a crab boat. And oh, wow. That's a whole different thing going from a cruise ship to the crab boat. Yeah, we went out on the boat, got to pull up the crab pots and see the big Dungeness crabs. And then got to go to the uh, 
George Inlet Lodge and eat our fill of Dungeness crab, which was the best imaginable. <laughs> wow. Well, it's it's kind of, it's really interesting about how seafood is. It's like it, you know, you could go to Louisiana, it's gonna be a different taste, right? Than when you're in Alaska and getting crabs. And you know, it's just that different thing, which I think is special as part of travel is eating the local cuisine and, and really getting up. Like I, I think what's great is about you go on this Holland, Holland uh, cruise and you have these opportunities to do all these different excursions and choose from the excursion. So it's not like when you come on this cruise, you will learn about World War II, II history, whether you like mm -hmm. it or not. But for you to go out and have this connection with your father's history, I think that you can't, that is when we get into authentic travel and memorable travel. I mean, you could see what your dad went through in that museum, right? Do, you're able to stand where he, he was, right, at, at some point. A couple of places we were, yeah, because oh, of the, wow. because the things that I had found in his uh, box of army things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, in Juneau, we got to go to an old uh, hotel where he had uh, eaten dinner, at least. I'm not sure if he stayed there, but the hotel is still there, the historic Baranoff Hotel. And he was there on July 4th. And we ended up being in Juneau on July 4th. And so we took the menu of the restaurant, went to the hotel and took pictures and talked to them. And that was real special. And uh, but that's amazing. That family history to mm -hmm. be able to experience that where someone has been. And we talk about this on shows. And I think we can talk about it all we want. But until you actually experience it. There's just some deep hole in our hearts that you can't you can't even really explain it. I don't know if the arts can do it maybe better in writing and music and and film, but there's something that just is so core, you know, when yeah. you have that experience. It made me feel closer to him. He's been gone since 1984, so I oh, wish wow. now I could talk to him a lot more. Just like call it. him up, like Dad, dude, I went there. You go like go around the corner I saw so-and-so do this you know but to but, understand what he what he lived through too the terrain is also I, a, a special I do thing. have other things I'm going to write a separate article about that because I think it's it's so special but about Holland America I think it's really fascinating that Holland America has been um cruising Alaska for 75 years they oh they my mark, gosh they marked 75 was... years cruising Alaska wow. in 2022. And so they have, they have been wow. the longest. They're pioneers. Yeah. Right. Well, pioneer <laughs> stock of Alaska, right? That goes well. So just think that was what, back in the 50s? <laughs> yeah. So they're the longest. Uh, and also in Glacier Bay, only two cruise lines are allowed to cruise base, Glacier, <laughs> Glacier Bay National Park every day. And they are one of the two cruise lines that have that authority. Wow. Well, I think they have to balance it, especially when we get into national parks. There's a balance. I mean, even right. now we're getting into, um, it was weird over the pandemic, people started to realize, oh, we love our outdoors. We understand why we need to take our dogs for a walk. <laughs> you know, all of that happened in our community parks. They're like, oh, yay, we need them. 
but our national parks also saw this incredible spike in visitorship, which is what we do as we travel the country, you know. But now it's like, okay, we can't love our parks to death. And there's like reservation systems and, and things that are happening, especially in our big like Glacier National Park. That That's a mm-hmm. big park. Yeah, Mount Rainier National Park is going to happen. And in and, and certain places, you may need a reservation depending on the time you go. But I, I think we have to have those balances of, you know, whoever is, you know, bringing people in and that has that approval to do that. We have to have that balance. And so it's really cool to align with those companies that do it because they also understand and respect because they don't get that qualification without going through a series of understanding, like, don't get up to the whale. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Right. Yeah, so it seems like the environmental stewardship comes from that company, the Holland Cruise. Holland America is very tied into that, and they only uh, serve sustainable seafood. All the seafood that they serve on board is fresh, and um, they also have a naturalist on board that comes on board during Glacier Bay, but then there's also a naturalist on board to give talks throughout the week when you have mm. sea days. We had like three days at sea. And uh, so it was quite interesting to go to some of the presentations and meet the park rangers and- uh, Oh, that's so cool. Answer and, and, questions. So you were, were you able to get off on foot in Glacier Bay National Park? Were you able to go hike around or were you mostly on the boat when you were there? Oh, we were totally on the ship. Okay. And were you able to see wildlife? Because you saw bald eagles and things, right? You saw wildlife while you're on the ship. We actually, we saw the bald eagles when we were in uh, Juneau and Ketchikan (laughs) off the ship. Uh, When we were going through Glacier Bay, we saw some seals on the icebergs, Mm -hmm. but they were pretty far away. So we didn't actually see anything close up. (laughs) We didn't see any bears or anything. There were excursions that uh, people could take to fly onto a glacier at some of the other areas, but we didn't choose to do that. That's kind of trippy though. I have a friend who did one of those and I'm like, I don't know, but then I feel like, you know, yeah, no, like really you're going to walk on ice, you know, (laughs) and land on ice, you know, so did you talk to any of the passengers who did that, like that flew on there? I did not, although I know another travel writer friend who has done it, that in the past. But uh, and I've seen the beautiful photos and, you know, the ice is so blue. It's just is it really blue? Like when you see it, it's that's got to be kind of trippy mm-hmm. to see that. But there and, were so many endless excursion choices. I mean, you could do this cruise 10 times and see different things every time. Oh, wow. It was hard to make the choices because I knew that we only had three port stops to choose Mm. from all the choices. And, uh, you know, so I chose glaciers and salmon and uh, crab and, and then the the train, the, the white pass railroad. Oh yeah. And then, you know, we also did a um, a trolley city tour of Skagway. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for any interest, 
the person can find the right excursion because, mm. and Holland America just really has, <laughs> I don't know. I think there was like three or 400 total excursions that you could. Wow. Choose from. That's a I lot. mean, maybe not for our particular cruise, but uh, for, yeah. like, you can overall. also choose to start in Seattle or Vancouver on this cruise. And, and we you start in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah, because we had never been to Vancouver, and we got in a couple days early and were able to see things there. So mm. so what's interesting to me, because I know that you love the tropics, and you look at the blue from the glaciers, that almost turquoise, you know, and that white, and then that blue water. So in, in some way, and even the flowers, did you feel like the polar opposite of the tropics, but there was some commonality? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I was just happy to feel the sun and to see the flowers and, and to also to just to talk to the people that live there. And some of them are seasonal uh, mm -hmm. workers. They'll be there in the summer and then in the winter, they'll leave and go back to the lower 48 and to Florida or wherever they live. The, the, the tour guides in uh, Skagway that we had actually spend part of the year in Florida after. Oh, wow. And a lot of the shops and restaurants basically shut down in the winter months. And so they kind of rotate which restaurant will be open that week <laughs> in the oh, winter wow. because there just aren't that many people. The The population of the towns really swell in the, the cruise season which is basically from may through uh early october i believe okay and so um those are the months that you have to have to choose from to to cruise alaska well, that's good information to know i mean i don't know if i want to go to alaska in the snow i'm, I'm a little baby about it but some people do they fly in i don't think you can cruise in you know, like you're no. saying but i don't think you'd want to you no, know really. but Mm -mm. I, I would, I loved the, the July dates that we chose, but I think, you know, May, June, July, August, you know, if you're getting into September, it could be a little colder, mm -hmm. but things vary from year to year. Mm. What was a highlight other than your dad, right? You know, following in your dad's footsteps, I, I think that's just going to be so, such a prized memory and such a, just a touching experience. What was a highlight for you? on this cruise? Oh, gosh. It was, I would say, split between the things on the ship and then the things we were able to do off the ship, having the good mix, uh, a highlight. I mm, guess Skagway, nice, nice. Skagway was still probably a highlight because we got to spend a long day there and we were mm -hmm. able to do both the the White Pass Railroad excursion, spend time in the town, go to a really cool little restaurant and talk to people, go to the museum, walk around the town, do the trolley tour. And the guides were so incredible. We went to the, you know, the, the, uh, the Gold Rush Cemetery and it, oh, that's cool. Gagway was probably my favorite day, even apart from my dad. It was just a cool place. Yeah, and then this this railroad experience, this train experience, seems like that's something everyone must do. I would say it's a must do. Yeah, if you get to 
to Skagway and you don't do the White Pass Railroad. I mean, the, the scenery is incredible. Um, you know, the guides are on board to kind of give you the history of the gold rush. And it just kind of really is a history lesson on top of the beauty of the scenery. It's like what you say about going on the trolley. Those kind of guides, like when you go to a town, if you can go to one of those tours first before you explore, it gives you all the knowledge you need, you know what I mean, to really understand where you are. And and then, you know, on back on board, then you get to go back on board and uh, have wonderful meals. You know, the specialty restaurants were incredible. Um, the and then at night, you know, the music walk is an area on the, on the ship with several different music venues, according to what you like. Well, I know, like that. BB King's Blues Club. No. Like Memphis. Really? What? You have a BB King. Now let's okay. Like let's just stop the interview on all the other fancy stuff. Let's get to the blues. You had a BB King lounge, like really? Oh yeah, with the incredible oh. singers, and they would the they would have the music. Then they also had comedians performing a couple nights. Oh, cool! Uh, and then another area that we really liked was con, called uh, Billboard on Board. And they had like two piano players uh, singing oh, the old songs, and you could like put in your dueling request. pianos and like oh, they weren't really dueling, but they were singing back and yeah, and Not you could request songs, the old songs, and then there was the rock room that was not my style it was a little too loud so it seems like it's got a little bit for all generations and musical tastes like you could Definitely. go from one night to the, oh i love that i pensacola i lived in pensacola when i was just 21 maybe oh. turning 20 yeah naughty time right and um there was this uh area called the seville Porter, and it's still there and actually visit pensacola was on the show a few months ago and i and yeah, asked I him like is it still there year. oh my gosh did you go to the Seville quarter yeah there's like i spent a summer in pensacola after college so oh my gosh so it's you go there. from one bar to the other in this historic building right and one was a sports bar which like i have no clue about any of that but it's like all right whatever but then they had like the blues the rock you know all these different bands and i was like i am in heaven because you could just go from, I don't know, it's just like this musical experience like I've never had, just it, <laughs> other than going to festivals with different stages of music. But this was just so more intimate. And I feel like that's what you're saying about this cruise ship had that kind of like, woo. And it was all within one area. It was amazing. You really couldn't. And you don't have to drive home. <laughs> oh, no, no. And See, it was, that, that's the other thing. Yeah. You could spend part of the night in the uh, billboard on board pianos and then walk around the corner and be at BB Kings. <laughs> I want to go to the BB Kings. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the, uh, the big world stage is where they had the uh, major presentations and they also had uh, uh, dance uh, performances there as well, um, as well as the educational. Um, I think they had perhaps classical performance one night that we didn't go to. So yeah, it's really every taste of music 
every taste of food. Um, Did they touch on the the local kind of cuisine on the ship or was that mostly when you were off the ship? Oh, no, on the the ship as well. Oh, wow, cool. I had wonderful salmon on the ship. I had, I think, uh, rockfish that was really good. She went to Alaska for salmon. Let's just get it straight. (laughs) (laughs) Salmon, I know there's halibut, her father's history, but she wanted crab. she wanted the Alaska she wanted the Alaskan salmon. Well, did they talk about that? Because there's issues with salmon in the Pacific Northwest. Um, did anyone talk about that in the education part about what's happening with salmon? Well, I think it's mainly the crab the crab fishing has been restricted. Oh, I'm okay. not sure about the salmon. Mm. Um, well, it might be easy up there compared to like Washington, Oregon going through issues, but um, it seems like it's turning around also, which is great. I, I know there, you know, the, uh, the the crab boats have been restricted to, the, it's like something has happened with the um, amount of crabs that are being developed yeah. <laughs> or coming through. And so they were kind of restricting it, I think, but uh mm. We still had them, and I don't know if that's going to affect down the road. But And then the salmon hatchery we went to uh, was really interesting, showing these, the salmon, the hundreds, millions of salmon that come through, and they're actually hatched and grown there. <laughs> yeah. That was fascinating, yeah. And so uh, that's interesting because then you get a real understanding about what you're eating and ingesting, so you have a value and appreciation for your food. I think so many times we just saw it's grocery store to the plate and or through a fast food place. So we don't have, we, we forget to stop and have that um, value of what, what has gone through life to, to feed us. Right. And so, and to really sustain us and also get that taste. So I think that's really important that you went to the hatchery and the fisheries and, and mm. on the crab boat from the, you know, went from the cruise liner to the crab boat uh, to have that understanding and even going in the towns because these are it, like the Pacific Northwest is really interesting going. Uh, these towns, I mean, everything is about fishing. You're, you're walking around. It's all about the boats, the boatyards. It, it's a way of life. And you, unless you're in those kind of communities, you forget what that way of life is. And you can go in the South and you know, Charleston area and, you know, South Carolina and go through the same kind of thing, but it's different each place, but yet it's still that common thread of we're out in the seas and anything can happen. And it's, it's a rough life. And so there's a respect that comes from that when you step foot in those places. And I think that's the, the beauty of travel writing and traveling the world, because we're not just going as a passenger going, Oh, this is so nice. We're also getting that feel for, hey, you've got to understand where this comes from. And you, you know what I mean? So did you feel that when you were there, that appreciation for those who go out and get those fish and those crabs? Oh, very much so. And just for the people who choose to live in Alaska, I think they have a, a really different spirit. You know, there it's like it was Perseverance, hard. yeah. Yeah, and, and the they have to really love that their state and their land. And then of course, all the, the indigenous people, um, oh, we, yeah. we um, had some of them come aboard as well. Oh, wonderful. Talk to us. So, I mean, just the, 
the heritage of Alaska, you know, was not a state until 1959. And so there were people there, you know, eons before. And so all of that heritage and culture was brought in a little bit too. And, but I also, it was interesting, you know, the people that live there, they're dependent on shipments of food coming up from Seattle mainly. Uh, And, you know, they may not get certain foods every week. And they were talking about tomatoes and lemons and things that, you know, maybe it didn't come that week. So they'd go to the store and there wouldn't be any, there wouldn't Mm. be any certain things. And so it's, it's a different lifestyle to live in Alaska. And so as travelers, we need to understand that too. Yeah. Like you may not have a tomato on your burger, get over it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would say it was a life-changing experience for me in some ways. It was unforgettable. It was a trip that I am so happy that my husband and I finally made the time to do. And, uh, I would just really say, do it. You know, it's, it's a part of the U S that we don't, it's way up there, but go and the inside inside passage cruises, you know, it goes up the inside passage. You do not have rough seas. It's, um, you know, very smooth sailing. You don't have to worry about being seasick and uh, it's, it's definitely a trip of a lifetime. So next up, you are going back to the beach, I heard. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been to the other blue waters for a while. So we're, we're going to the Bahamas to uh, hopefully do a little snorkeling and scuba diving and get back under yes. the water a bit. Oh, do you like it. to sc- scuba diving? That's cool. I've only done snorkeling, but scuba diving, I'm like... I don't know, maybe because I just still have a cold, so I'm still coughing a little bit. I'm like, I don't know yeah. if I want to go underwater yet. But I think salt air and the sunshine cures everything. I'm just saying. And a Bahama mama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't been to this part of the Bahamas yet, so it'll be interesting oh, to cool. add to my list, add to my sand collection. I'll look I know, I was going to say sand samples. You got to have the sand samples. So when you get the sand, I know I probably asked you this the last time, but do you do you take it to a lab and have it like checked out or do you just keep them to look at them? And, and or do you like there's like I know it's got to be interesting to look at like a lab yeah, on my website, tropicaltravelgirl.com. I did a blog post on how I display my sand collection and my shells. And you can see there, I put them all in little glass bottles and um, label them and have them displayed. And you can see all the different colors and textures of the sand. And um, it's just really fun to see how different they are. Some people actually put sand under a microscope. And yeah, that's can- what I was interested. Yeah. You can see the different crystals and the different types of things that the sand is formed from. And I would, I really need a microscope. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so what I'm thinking. Is like to actually see a, under a microscope. I mean, as a kid in science class, that just tripped me out. I was like, the world is like a kaleidoscope. We can go crazy. You know, um, I was just thinking about how Brooke today was talking about Mark Twain. 
uh, as we record this, it's, it's Hal Brooks' birthday, uh, oh. the day we're recording. And he was talking about Mark Twain, of course. And and he was talking about Mark Twain was this and that. He contradicted himself so much. It was a kaleidoscope. And I was thinking about our interview and I was like, well, that's what sand is like. It's this pristine thing. And then it gets bashed around, but it's like, I'm still pristine. It's like, leave me alone. You know what I mean? So I feel like when we look at sand, it, it's telling this just, just ancient history. And to look at it under a microscope, it's like this whole other viewpoint of it. So, yeah, I hope you get a microscope. You need one for Christmas. It's coming. Christmas will come soon. <laughs> You know, that would be awesome. That would be yeah. awesome. I wish you got some from Alaska, though. That would have been cool. I'll have to see if someone can send me a sand sample from Alaska. <laughs> I know, right? Because it would be cool. Or Skagway or somewhere just nearby. Just get it. Do you only do it on beaches or do you do it out in forests? I just do the beaches. I've never, I know there are sand collectors that collect sand from like river lakes, other things, but I, I have never gotten to that extent. <laughs> well, but, but it's interesting because even the, like the Pacific Northwest, this, the beaches are not as sandy like in California or Florida, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you get a lot of driftwood. And so I'm, oh, that'd be interesting to see. I did get some sand from Washington state when mm -hmm. I was in Washington state, but they mm -hmm. were at a, a beach. So yeah. Um, but the, you know, the colors are so different and the textures, um, you know, the whitest, whitest sand I have of all my sands are from like the Destin, Florida area. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's that. Oh, what is it? Is it quartz? That is quartz, uh, yeah, the quartz sand. Mm -hmm. but, and there are white sands, but the white, white, like sugar white <laughs> is really from that panhandle area of Florida. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. I mean, you can't believe it's part of America. You know what I mean? It just, we're always seeing, you know, these different sides, but that in-between zone of beach is so different, you know? And it's interesting when you think about Washington state with all the driftwood and then going south to Oregon and even Northern California, they have all the broken glass like in Fort Bragg. So I wonder how much glass gets into the sand? Like how much of it is broken glass that's mixed in? Oh, I want a microscope and sand samples. <laughs> You've taken uh, me back to science class. Thank you. I feel like a kid again. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been a real pleasure to have you back on the show, Deborah. Uh, everyone, uh, you can go to Deborah's website, which I encourage you to do and go look at her sand samples, right? So go to... <laughs> Oh, number one. Let, oh, let me go back. Uh, let me backtrack. HollandAmerica.com is the website to go to learn more about going to Alaska. But also keep up with Deborah at TropicalTravelGirl.com. And, of course, the International Food One Travel Writers Association. We do these conversations, in-depth conversations that are paired up with articles from travel writers, all members of what we say is IFTWA. So how many years do you think you've been a member of IFTWA? I know it's been a few now. And uh, since 2018. Oh, wow. Okay, I, cool. Yeah, I went to the first, the first conference I went to with IFTWA was on Whidbey Island, Washington. Oh, right. The Washington. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful, that area. And yeah, it was my kind of entree into discovering uh, Washington State. And now I just love Washington State. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, and then a lot of our articles are also on Food, Wine, Travel Magazine, fwtmagazine.com. 
It's an awesome magazine. It's beautiful. I, I just, uh, this year was elected to the board of directors for F2S. So I'm getting even more involved and looking forward, forward to our conference at sea in October. Oh, that's awesome. So you're going to be part of that. That's going to be neat because it's on the princess cruises. Like, yes, you know, so yes. there's a lot of cruising. And from what I've heard, like this 360 experience on the princess cruises, we had uh, John Paget on our show that, uh, chair or the president of Princess Cruises on just a, a few weeks ago. And I mean, this is a, some incredible experience that some of the IFTWA riders have already had. And I'm like, I want, I want to go and have lavender float off my plate and bees and, you know, this, I, I want to go, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, haven't, so I, I haven't been able to do that yet, of course, but, you know, Princess Cruises and Holland America are related, you know, they're part of the same Oh. Umbrella cruise organization. Under Carnival, maybe all under Carnival. I'm maybe? not. I'm not I don't sure. know. We. I don't know, but like they're they they're doing the right stuff. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. And Rudy, the uh, chef, that's kind of like overall the chefs is going to be on our cruise. He was uh, also. There's a Rudy's Cell de Mer, uh, one of the specialty restaurants on the Holland America Koningsdom was just my favorite meal of the week. And he is the originator of that restaurant. And it oh, was, cool. And he's also going to be part of our um, conference at sea. So oh, that I'm is fantastic. Looking forward fantastic. to that. And everyone, I know we're gonna be doing a show on the conference coming up in May or June, so watch for that. And uh, go to ifwtwa.org because registration is open, whether you are a member or not. Um, and yeah. and honestly, I just say just become a member. Go become a member and be part of it, like the whole experience. Because for members, like you get to be part of the fam tours and and everything that happens. So um, if you're a travel writer, photographer, author, this is a place for you. But also the destinations. Because everybody networks. That's what's so cool about these conferences and just IFTWA as a whole is what I see is just like everybody comes together. And I think that's important. Even during the height of the pandemic, what IFTWA did, they didn't go, oh, okay, the pandemic, we're shutting down. They went, oh, we're going, we're going to town. We're going to do webinars. We're going to get everybody on board. So that to me was amazing what happened. You know, so very cool. Yes, we do a lot of webinars and uh, we have a very active Facebook group. We, we do a lot of social sharing. Um, I'm also helping uh, to get more press trips for our members this year. Okay, um, awesome. So, yeah, we just have a lot of really neat things going on. I'm really glad that I found this group and that I've been able to be more a part of the organization. Yeah. And, you know, last... I year I was with Linda Milks uh, that you interviewed recently yes. in Olympic National Park for that trip. So that was one of yeah. our IFWA sponsored trips. And she just came back from Jordan and now she's in South Africa and I'm watching her post going, you're in my home country or I graduated high school. I'm jealous. I want to go home and I know every place she's going and it's freaking me out, like in a good way. I'm just going, oh, you know, so it's it's amazing um, all these experiences, but just to have that network of people, um, you know, I, I know 
everybody even fact checks each other's articles like, hey, no, this didn't happen that day. This is what happened. Fix it. <laughs> you know, so I think that's really nice because writing is such a solitary endeavor. The, the travel can be in some ways because, you know, there's traveling as a tourist, traveling as a traveler, but then traveling as a travel writer. It's um, not just about what you're experiencing. You have to have your eyes and ears open to things for your audience, you know? So, and then it's like, oh my gosh, you don't just come home with one story. How do we divide it up? Because really we could write a book by the time we do one trip. <laughs> Isn't that one of the hardest things? Yes. And it's this, like, this particular Alaska trip, I already have like three at least articles to do, maybe four. <laughs> I mean, they, in my head, I'm two are already partially written. So it's there's a lot to to say and to share. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So everyone, again, keep up with Deborah. Go to tropicaltravelgirl.com, even though she went to Alaska. She <laughs> snuck off. Uh, check it out. And also, again, uh, IFTWA's, IFWTWA.org. Uh, also, Deborah's article is up on nationalparktraveling.com. So just type in Glacier Bay. You'll find it there. And, of course, keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. We do our IFTWA shows every second Tuesday, second Friday, third Monday, third Friday. I think I got it right. But thank you so much, Deborah. Such a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thank you.